Yo, we are back, y'all. We are back. It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you without a dope beat to step to. Y'all already know what it is, man. Real talk with Rajan. We are back, 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 back. And I'm so excited. Um, go ahead and share this out. If you have seen the previews, you know what it is. You know what time it is. You know what we're here to do. Um, I'm really excited about tonight's interviews on Local Celebrity Spotlight is back. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't take this time and this opportunity to thank everybody for all the support um, in the time between my shows. Um, it's been a while since I've done one of these. Um, it's been a while since I've done one of these. Um, for, for those who don't know, um, I went through some stuff, you know, personally with my family, which made me step away from the show for a while. But tonight is my first show back in almost two months. So I'm really excited. Um, I'm really excited. And I'll talk a little bit more about this once the show actually gets started. But I just want to thank everybody for your support. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for everything that you guys have done, everything that you guys have said, all the messages that you've sent me. It's really encouraged me to know that people like you care about someone like me and about the things that, that we do here at Real Talk with Rajana. It lets me know um, the voice that this show has and it lets me know the following that the show has and the, the purpose that this show has. And I do not take it for granted that you guys do that. I'm probably going to say something like that again once the show actually gets rolling um, before I open, before I, but um, I wanted to make sure I say that to the people who are popping in now, because if you're in now, you're probably one of the people who watch quite frequently. Um, so thank you for all your support um, over time. But I'm ready to get started at seven o'clock. Y'all know how I am. I like to get started right on time. And so right at, so go ahead and share this out. Please go ahead and share, share, share. We are live. I'm gonna go ahead and share it on my end as well. Cause I wanna make sure you guys are good to you. Pull up my script. All right. It is now 6.59. Once that clock strikes seven, we are going to get rolling. Where is my branding stuff? All right. I knew that that was something I needed to have in All right, like in your heart, which is high are clearing the house of information. None other than one of those very heroes. So, for those who don't know, I'd like you to take a couple minutes. Are you, are you originally from the Charleston area? And a youth in South Carolina. Yeah, I'm raised Hey, well, my name's Alex. Um, <laughs> is when the Emmanuel to spread uh, love and world and welcome back to real talk with Rajan with nothing's off limits you could have been anywhere in the world but you are here with me and i appreciate that i am your host Rajan lewis now if you're a real talk with Rajan, everything's available so on any given week we could be discussing anything from sports to music to politics you name it we'll discuss it now for those who are not who are new to the show real talk with Rajan also has a goal of shining a light on the great things and the great people that exist right here in the low country we talk about everything that's going on all across the world. But right here in the low country, we have amazing people doing amazing work. And we are in the midst, in the very middle of a very contentious election season. Um, there's a lot to be said about what's going on, you know, in the national elections. But right here in the low country, we have some local elections that really are going to more uh, have more impact on your life than even the national elections are. So we're taking this time to highlight those people who are running for those local elected offices. So with that being said, I want to go ahead and introduce my guests for this evening. I have um, Mr. James Weaver and Mr. Chris Digby, who are both running for Dorchester District 2 School Board. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Can y'all hear me? Thank you for joining me. Oh, hey. Yeah, no, you're good. No, you're good. Glad to be here. We appreciate you. <laughs> the opportunity, Rajan. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much, man. Thank you all so much for joining me, man. Um, so 
but like I said, um, this you guys are both running for uh, Dorchester District Two School Board. Um, this is not a debate. So for those who may be uh, tuning in to see them uh, scratch and claw at each other and tell each other to shut up, that, this is not the place for it. Uh, we're going to be having a, like an adult conversation about what's <laughs> going on in the schools and what they're going to bring to the to the school district. Um, you know, once they get elected. Um, so I wanted to go ahead and just give you first of all give you guys an opportunity to introduce yourself and you know tell a little bit about who you are. And we'll start with Jason. I mean, not Jason, James. Sorry. Thanks, Rosanna. Well, first I want to thank you for the opportunity to be on the show and. Appreciate the work that you've done in the low country with distinguished gentlemen and so forth. So appreciate uh, all the hard work that you do in our community. So my name is James Weaver. I was born and raised in the low country and I resided in Dorchester County for over 14 years uh, with my wife, Tamika Weaver, who is from Somerville. And uh, we have two boys that attend DD2 schools. Through my parents' service, I began serving in the US Army in 1991 and currently serve in the South Carolina Army National Guard as a company commander for a unit in Newberry, South Carolina. Through my collegiate and military experience in the IT field, I began teaching in higher education approximately 20 years ago and currently serve as the president for ECPI University in Charleston. And through my service at ECPI University, I began working with our school district seven years ago through our dual credit program offered at all three high schools. And this program prepares our youth for in-demand careers and or advanced standing when transitioning from high school to college. And through these partnerships with the dual credit program, I was asked to serve on the district's foundation board and currently serve as the chair of the board. Working in our schools through the foundation and being a military leader, working in business and higher education, this gives me a unique lens and ability to continue my service as your school board candidate. I am ready to lead today on day one. I bring the unique blended experience, as I said, from military, higher education, and working with youth in our community. And a vote for James is a vote for a veteran, a vote for an educator and businessman, a vote for a community leader, and a voice for you. And as we said earlier, remember, leave it to Weaver. Thank you. All right. Okay. All right. We got the, we got the stump speech ready to go. All right. I like it. <laughs> All right. And uh, Mr. Digby, please introduce yourself. Uh, all right. So uh, thanks again for being uh, letting us be here again. We appreciate you. Um, so I'm Chris Digby and I'm a candidate for Dorchester District 2 school board as well. Uh, some people know me from my coaching career. Uh, some people know me because I grew up here. So I, I grew up in uh, Somerville. I went to Austin Middle School and Somerville High School. Um, I taught school at Somerville High School and uh, I met my wife at Somerville High School teaching at Somerville High School and uh, my wife is currently a teacher at Somerville High School. So uh, I've got two little girls and uh, Emory and Sloan, two and a half and one. And uh, my family is the most important thing in my life. And as a leader of my family, I think it's uh, it's important that I start with that. And so one of the reasons why I want to jump in uh, to the school board race is because I want to make sure that Dorchester District 2 schools continue to be great, even uh, you know well after my girls are gone. So uh, they're not there yet, but they're going to be there soon. And I want to make sure we do everything we can uh, to get that going. So a um, little bit about me, if you don't, outside of Somerville High School and my connections there was um, in 2010, I got licensed uh, to be an attorney in South Carolina. I went to the Charleston School of Law prior to that. Uh, I didn't see an area or a path in the law that uh, got gave me the enthusiasm that got me terribly excited. And uh, and so I knew I liked coaching. I knew I loved working with kids. And so uh, a, a good judge that I worked for at the time gave me some great advice and, and, um, and said, you know, if you have that itch, go ahead and scratch it now. And, and while you're young and you got good young energy. And so I went and decided as a 30 year old. So trying to figure out what I want to be when I grew up, I decided to go be a middle school teacher. And I did that for a year at Oakbrook Middle School before I ended up switching over to Somerville High School. I coached football and I coached uh, boys basketball as a volunteer from 2004 to 2010. And then when I took my teaching job in 2010, I started coaching girls basketball. And so I got a unique also, uh, like James mentioned, uh, he's got a unique set of experiences. I got a unique set of experiences as well. Uh, in 2017, I ended up leaving teaching to become uh, go back into the law practice. I, I, my, my wife and I were trying to make plans for the future, and uh, two teacher salaries weren't going to give us the uh, the opportunity to to do uh, too many interesting things. And so I had some income potential, and I wanted to to try to do something else. I found an area of the law that I felt like I could excel, and so I became a real estate attorney. And so I worked for a year here in Somerville. I joined a bigger firm that's based out of Columbia. Uh, that provided me the the resources to open up my own office here in town. And so now I'm a real estate attorney in downtown Somerville. And uh, I thought it was my time to start giving back. 
And so uh, I'm back here now. I'm trying to run for for the school board here because I've always uh, been very proud of the service I provided this community and the and the young people of our community. And I feel like I can have a meaningful impact on our community by being on this school board. And so I just ask that you that you consider me. Uh, you can find some information about me at www.chrisdigby.com. If you have any questions, you can find me on all your socials at Digby for DD2. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. I feel like we can end the interview here and just. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not how we do things here at Real Talk for Rajan. But thank you all so much for those great introductions. Um, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, I want to know what what made you, I guess my first question, and I went with you first, James, the first time, so I'm going to go with uh, Chris this time. What made you want to run for the school board? Yeah, so um, I mentioned when I was introducing there that I that I spent some time in the classroom. And so I, I wasn't trained classically to be a teacher. I didn't go to college to become a teacher. I didn't go uh, through the, the the certifying process and all that stuff uh, out of college. And so I actually went into a business career and I worked in sales. And I did some nonprofit work and I, I kind of did a lot of a lot of different things and did some retail. I did a lot of stuff. So I was uh, before I became a teacher, I had lots of different life experience. And, and so I walked into the school with a different perspective, I think. And so um, some of my teaching friends that, that have been around a long time that know me well have, have heard some of this before. But I saw lots of areas where I felt like, you know, that if 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 we, people outside of education took a, took a good hard look at this, we could really make some changes that could fix some things. And so I felt a lot of that when I was in the classroom. Um, I was very passionate about kids when I was in the classroom. Uh, I was very passionate about helping parents do the best they could to, to get their young people to, to achieve the highest level. And, and so I still have that in my guts. And so I felt like as an attorney in private practice now, I have a little bit more time than I did when I was teaching and coaching, uh, despite my, my young family. I still have some time that I can commit to this community. Uh, and so I wanted to find a way that I could give back in a meaningful way. And school board seemed like a natural fit for me. Awesome. Um, James? So through my work with the district over the last seven years through the dual credit program, I've been hand in hand, side by side with district leaders focusing on a lot of initiatives, even outside of dual credit. So working with that program and then also working with the district's foundation board, it gave, it's given me a unique lens to look through when it comes to the support that I can provide <laughs> our school district from a leadership standpoint. I've been working in higher education for 20 years, uh, started off teaching in the classroom. So I understand what it's like to be a teacher and I understand what it's like to lead an organization to success. And that's my why for DD2. Also wanna make sure that we provide a quality education for our students, not just to ensure that they're prepared for college or a job when they complete high school, but we wanna ensure that they're ready for a career, earning a wage above poverty level. So through my experience working with industry, higher education, military leadership, that's my wife for DD2. Okay. Thank you so much. Great, great answers. Great answers. Definitely good reasons to do things. As a former educator myself, I definitely am always watching those school board um, elections to see what's going on. And I, I want to know, you know, from, a, from the standpoint of, you know, both of you having come from the classroom, what do you feel like the school board has the, the potential, the opportunity to do that maybe hasn't been done to improve some of the conditions within schools that, that, that we haven't seen? Uh, and I'll start with James. Since I Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks. So currently the school board um, has been working diligently to determine uh, our left and right limits with COVID. That's, that's a big topic now. And we're trying to figure out, should we be five days face-to-face? -face? Should we be virtual? Should we, should we be hybrid? And uh, that's a slippery slope because uh, I always talk about this a lot. And I've received phone calls every day about this. And I want to ensure that parents and their kids are in a safe learning environment. And that safe learning environment may be different from one family to the next. So we could have a five-day face-to-face model. We could have a hybrid model. And we could have a virtual model which we currently have the hybrid and virtual right now, but that's the biggest uh, hurdle that we have to face over these next few months, determining how we're going to shift left and right to support families that want to be a safe, in a safe learning environment, a public school system. Okay. Chris. Oh uh, yeah, he's absolutely right. I mean, that's, that's, that's the, that's the thing we have to look at right now. I mean, it's um, you know, what can we do? To help teachers, we can we can make sure that if uh, if we do move to a face to face model, that we give them time, the proper time to plan and to prepare, and 
and we provide them with whatever equipment that they might need to to make that transition and, and how can we help them you know we need to ask them that we need to be listeners um a lot of times and and so as a board um you know we we get lots of questions uh, about what we can do as a board and and when it comes down to it the day-to-day operations are really not part in, within the scope of what you know the the board is meant to to manage we don't want to be in the situation where teachers are nervous when we walk in the building when we're there to maybe support them or give them a high five and they think that I'm there to 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 judge them or to to look over their shoulder while they're doing their job or micromanage so so it's not um we, we don't get too deep in the weeds when it comes to the day-to-day management and I think those are the things that that need the most attention to help teachers out the best and I think our administrators and our our district level personnel are probably the most equipped to to deal with those issues on the ground. Now, there's some things, obviously, I've got some opinions on some things as a teacher, but again, uh, as a board member, we don't want the administrators thinking that we're looking over their shoulder or telling them how to run their schools either because they're the mm-hmm. most equipped to make those decisions to help those teachers as best they can. Absolutely. And I think that that's just, that's a great uh, segue to my next question, which was about, you know, a lot of people, you know, we talk about the school board a lot of times, but a lot of people don't actually understand the role of the school board um, in terms of, you know, what their actual job is and what the scope of their responsibility is. Um, what is the biggest uh, misconception of the role of the school board um, is that, that you've seen? Um, and, and, and would you like to take some time to clear it up? And I, each of you can take a different one. So if y'all can't use the same one. Starting <laughs> How, how, much, how much time you got here? How much time? How long are we on the air here? Um, no, so yeah, so everybody everybody feels real strongly about education. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Kid, everybody feels strongly about their kids. Everybody wants their kids to uh, to to achieve at the highest level, and education is a big part of that. So, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me. We got a lot of strong opinions out there, and, and that's just part of 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 what you get when you're dealing with education. I felt it as a teacher. I felt it as a coach. Uh, people want the best for their kids, and if they think you're not providing that for them, they're going to tell you about it, and and that's uh and that's a that's a testament to our district, you know. Mm-hmm. That that some people see that as a bad thing. I see it as a good thing. Um, there's a lot of schools that where the parents don't care enough to to get involved and to be upset about things, and so uh, I think we're blessed in that way to have parents who are involved enough to know what's going on to have an opinion about it. So I'll start with that, but. Uh, lots of misconceptions about the board's role. Ultimately, the board's role is to make policy decisions. It's to make policy decisions and it's to uh, hold the, the superintendent accountable for day-to-day operations. Um, and so um, the the typically the way it works uh, from a from a practical perspective is, is if there's something that needs board approval or there's something that uh, the district uh, wants to change the, the way they're spending money on or the way they're handling things, then the district level personnel create a proposal and they provide produce it or, or propose it to the board and the board decides to make decisions or take a vote on it. And so um, the, the other way that that would look is, is if, you know, the superintendent's doing a good job, then they, they try to support him as best they can and help him provide for his needs. And if, if they don't feel like the superintendent's doing a good job, the board has a role to hold him accountable. And yeah. so I, I think that's, you know, I, that's, that's kind of the, the over the bigger picture, I think. Um, as far as scope goes. And I think a lot of people just want to deal with some of the minor things and, and the boards at the top of the chain, the top of the hierarchy of leadership. And so they want to go straight to there instead of dealing with it at the school level first and on at the district and moving their way up. So biggest misconception is that the board makes decisions about uh, what kind of um, math lesson your child got today at school. <laughs> Words, uh, what was the thing? Uh, dang, I can't remember the word now. But the thing that got everybody so like the the math, why can't I can't remember the math thing? Common Core. Common Core. Common Core. Then yeah. when I was a teacher, I'm sorry, aside, and I'm coming to <laughs> aside. So when I so when I came out of uh, when I came out of college in 2014, because uh, I graduated late from college, but um, the big deal was Common Core. I hate the Common Core. I hate the Common Core. I hate the Common Core, and. No one could actually explain what the Common Core was who had complaints about the Common Core. They just all had this one math problem that they saw on a meme on social media. And they decided <laughs> that that's what Common Core was across the board. And then the state <laughs> the state got rid of the Common Core but kept the principles of the Common Core. But people were still complaining about the Common Core. It was, anyway, James, what is, <laughs> what is the biggest misconception about the role of the school board? The day-to-day operations are driven by the district leadership and also the 
leadership at every at every school. So that's the misconception that where the school board candidates and school board members are asked a lot of questions and we have opinions and we can get feedback, but the decisions are made at the school level. As stated, um, I've actually attended the last uh, three school board meetings in person and Monday night, they talked about um, five days face to face and or not, should we do it? If the board will, if the board overrides me, we'll do it and put a plan in place. So they, the school district presents plans to the school board and that's through the, the cabinet. They present plans and the, the school board reviews those plans and approves those plans. So they're responsible for really the oversight, but not the day-to-day -day operation, um, budgeting, um, setting educational policies, and also enforcing um, rules and regulations per se, and uh, so forth. Um, I want to ask a question about, because I'm not sure, I know in Charleston County, they have the constituent school board, which really deals with a lot of the disciplinary stuff. In DD2, they don't have a constituent school board, so like disciplinary issues go to the school board? So they have a um, committee where those discipline issues go to outside of the school board, and then they present a recommendation to the school board based on the disciplinary issues within the um, four walls of the classrooms. But the committee is, is comprised of, of school board members, correct? There yeah. is yeah. a school board yeah. member on the committee, yeah. but not all school board members, okay. no. All right, cool, cool, cool. And I, I guess that gets to my, my next question, um, which is about, you know, we all hear about the school to prison pipeline. You know, um, the issue as far as, you know, um, especially when we talk about young black boys underperforming in schools, that's something that's that's a big issue. Um, what role can the school board play in helping to rectify that issue? Because I've heard, you know, th though, again, like you guys say, the day to day is not really a school board thing. But a lot of people play, place that on the, the feet of the school board. They say there's something systematically that's happening that's causing these young black boys to, to, to struggle in schools. And there's something that can be done. Do you think that there's something that the school board can do or um, to, to emphasize to make sure that that's no longer an issue? Um, if so, what is it? Uh, James first. Okay, great. So socioeconomic status, um, that's a big topic, especially in DD2. And we can look at the performance of the schools based on that, that uh, the data that, 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 we're, that we can see and see where schools perform and individuals perform based on that. And we can put programs in place. These programs have to be intentionally put in place and they have to start in K through third grade. And these programs will help foster and build our kids and our parents, because it starts at home too. We're with the kids during the school day, but then when they go home, you have to have programs in place to support that learning at home. And it starts K through, third grade and then from there you build upon those programs and they go all the way through 12th grade and we have to intentionally put programs in place like like this to support our um, youth when it comes to socioeconomic status chris no doubt so um you know and we don't always agree on everything but one of the areas where uh james and i overlap a good bit is on and the value of of board members building relationships and and what those relationships can do and the value that they can add to our to our school system. And so um, I think as board members, like we've, we've both said a couple of times now, as far as day-to-day -day operations, it's hard to get down into the nuance of day-to-day -day operations and have a, and be able to control that or enforce that, especially when you talk about the number of schools, the number of teachers, the number of classrooms, the number of students. You know, Even if all seven board members agreed on how to do it, the seven of us wouldn't be a big enough army to go in and, and maybe put those things into place. But I think uh, we have a duty as leaders in our community, not just board members, but leaders in our community to find programs that are going to help our young people um, dedicate themselves or commit themselves at a higher level to their education and to their future. I think once you make kids and give kids efficacy, and that's the belief that they can actually achieve something, self-efficacy, I think that's that's an important piece to confidence that we miss out on a lot of times. And so sometimes some of those uh, behavior issues and some of those discipline issues that lead to that uh, behavior as an adult that leads you into decisions that put you in prison, I think, I think a lot of times those are made out of desperation or, or the relationships you're building out of desperation or, or a need to, to belong to something or what lead our young people to, down that road. And so, like he said, getting involved at K through three, 
finding programs that that we can introduce maybe to our schools that maybe they don't have time to explore time to research things that we can do relationships we can build with programs like the one like your distinguished gentleman like what you guys do um things like that in our community that we can um encourage and foster and help provide resources uh in, in some way that we can make sure that a needs being met whatever we can do to provide that for them we need to be working on that so again day-to-day operation wise i don't know how valuable we can be as board members but I think we have a duty as leaders in our community to make sure we're, we're building some bridges to the, when it comes to some of those uh, programs that can help with those young kids. Yes, definitely. Thank you. And also, <clears throat> thank you for the shout out to Low Country Youth Services, Distinguished Gentlemen's Club, Young Men Rise. Yes, we are we are out here. If you need us, please go to www.lowcountryyouthservices.org. I would You're not welcome. be if I didn't plug it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about an issue that you know not only plagues um, our local government, but our national government, um, which is collaboration. Uh, we, we found that we find in a lot of cases that um, um, we're split across party lines and that that leads to, you know, a, a sense of um, an inability to work together and to accomplish real, real goals. Um, can you speak to um, how you would collaborate with someone who may disagree with an opinion, opinion that you have or with the thought that you have that you that, um, something that you may bring to the table um, as a school board member? Um, and this is a nonpartisan position, so I'm pretty yeah. sure that being a Democrat or Republican wasn't be something that you'd have to worry about. But it just not along lines of party, but just in a, like a general disagreement. Uh, Chris, my turn to start this one. Yeah. So, um, man, you're right. I used to teach government. So um, one of the things that, that I had a really tough time with towards the end of my teaching career, because it was already starting back then, even among some of our young people, was that um, the ability to, to, to just disagree civilly was just was just hard it was hard it was a hard thing to do and um and young people are having a hard time or harder time doing it because because adults aren't doing it very well and so i think there was some the 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 thing that i think set us apart when we were you know i don't want to say when we were younger but when we were younger i'll say you know it uh, was was common ground i think mm-hmm. you know whether we're talking democrats or republicans or conservatives or liberals or uh, whatever whatever political position you want to take on those as far as the polarization goes when things are getting done, it's because the bigger picture goal is more important than than the perception of what's on the outer uh, outskirts of the of the the political vitriol at the time. And so I think the way you deal with people who disagree with you is you find the common goal. Most of the and that's what I, I see within our, our own school board race here. I think we all love kids. I think we all want what's best for our kids. I think we have different ideas of the best way to achieve those things. And so um, if we get back to the goal, if we get back to young people, get back to children, let's get back to what's best for them. Let's get back to what's best for families. I think if we do those things, it becomes easier for us to try to find some common ground. And then we can start that conversation about what's important as far as uh, political ideology goes and and and. I, for one, don't think that there's a place for that in our school board. Uh, I, I think that education is the is the place where we should be safe from that. And so uh, for me, I think it's important that young people get an objective education, that they hear different perspectives and hear from different sides of, of the of the argument. And I always tried to do the best I could to provide that and to not lean in any specific direction as a teacher so that my young students were thinking for themselves. I forced them to. And when they started to agree with me too much, I would just completely flip it on them and, and say, OK, we're going to have a little argument about this thing because we need to learn how to disagree the right way. So it was uh, so you sorry, long answer to a short question. But I think the best thing that we do is find common ground first and then get back and stick to what's important. Keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's taking care of our young people. Thank you so much for that answer, James. All right, so this starts with understanding and mutual respect. We can agree to disagree on a lot of different things as as adults, and it starts with understanding and respect and really focusing on the goal at hand. And our goal within our school district is to ensure that our, our kids have an opportunity to be successful when they matriculate through K through 12 and when they graduate, and that our teachers have the tools necessary to be successful in the classroom, and that our support staff have what they need to provide the support necessary for our teachers and our kids. So it starts with respect, but you mentioned the party lines and that's even though school board is nonpartisan, I spent a lot of time um, prior to COVID in in DC going to Capitol Hill talking about the education, um, higher education reauthorization act. And you have to be able to talk to individuals on both sides of the party lines in order to 
to focus on the end goal, which is education. My conversations have been higher education. However, I can turn that dial and have that conversation about K through 12. And that's one of the things I plan on doing to talk about the funding models that we use, um, especially also in our state. I've worked with our local uh, state representatives on higher education at, at, in Columbia at the state house. And I can turn that dial and talk about the funding for K through 12. And one of the concerns that we all have is the funding model that's used in Dorchester District 2, where we receive about half the funds per pupil versus one of our neighboring school districts. Mm. So that, even though school board is nonpartisan, we can still have that conversation with our elected officials about supporting us and looking at that funding model and making a change in that funding model so we can do better and bigger for our community and our kids and our teachers. Awesome. Wow. Thank you for explaining that. And thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I sort of want to dig in a little bit right there um, with the funding model, um, because that's maybe something that, that parents in DD2 may not understand. Um, and because you are going up against other candidates, I guess that's one thing that would differentiate you from the other candidates that are out there um, who are currently who are currently sitting in those seats. I'm not I haven't spoken to them, so I don't know. But um, what, what when you speak about you know the neighboring school districts and the amount of funds that are dedicated to the students, um, can you elaborate a little bit more about that? About what you mean there? Start with James. No, I want to start with yeah, James. Yes, sorry. Okay, great, great. So the funding model that currently we use, um, Act Three Eighty Eight, was put in place several years ago. And our property taxes from our homes that we own are not, that, that we live in, these have to be owner-occupied homes, you're not taxed for the schools. If you look at your tax bill, you're gonna see the number come in and you're gonna see it go right back out. So when some people say, hey, you know, I pay taxes, um, car taxes a little bit, and also any rental property a little bit, but businesses provide, the majority of the funding for our district at that local level. So a lot of times we really need to look at that and until that funding model is right sized and maybe all districts throughout the state receive the same amount per pupil, until we do things like that, we're gonna continue have, to have a, a funding gap. Mm -hmm. And that gap, when we look at our district and a neighboring district all, receives almost double amount of funds per pupil. That's a, a lot of opportunities that you have to blend in more resources into your classroom. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Anything you want to add, Chris? Yeah, no, he he uh, he described it pretty well there. So, you know, we've got, we, we, we Dorchester County and Somerville are kind of referred to as bedroom communities, um, you know, so a lot of a lot of people in North Charleston that are served by Dorchester District 2 schools in Somerville, they, they wake up in the morning in Ladson and they get in the car and they drive to Charleston County or Berkeley County for their jobs. Mm. And so the, the, the brunt of the tax bill uh, that's being paid by businesses is coming in Dorchester County, or excuse me, Charleston County and Berkeley counties. And so when they when, when they use the formula that they've got in place now, it just creates a scenario where we continue to be underfunded uh, for, you know, year after year. Um, I don't want to. I don't know if underfunded is the right term. I I think that's. I think that's an opinion. I and I believe it's under. I believe we're underfunded, but uh, it's we're funded correctly based on the formula that exists. I just don't love the formula because of the way it disproportionately affects our county versus other counties. So, uh, but yeah, he what he said is on it, and I think that goes back to kind of what we were talking about before, as far as relationships goes and the willingness. And so, again, do we have any control over that? We can't change the budget. We can't change the funding formula, uh, and we can't increase taxes in, in Dorchester County, but, but we can build relationships and as leaders in our community, we have a, we'll have a duty if we're on the school board uh, as a focus on education, we'll have a duty to, to, to shore up those relationships and, and try to get those guys who can affect those types of things um, to get involved in them. All right. Thank you so much for that. So we have a comment from Greg Perry. Um, shout out to Greg. Thank you for watching. He says a great candidates. He said, what's something that you will push for in your first hundred days in office? Thinking about like the president, first hundred days. Uh, what's what's that? What's that key issue when you step into the school you know, school board? Once you get elected, you know, November third, hooray, confetti falls from the sky. What's the first thing that you're walking in saying? I want to impact this, uh, and I'll start with Chris. So, um, you know, I think it's. Uh... 
that there's there's a lot of things that we could put in that in that in that uh, that basket there. And so, I, honestly, I would probably start with our administrators and our teachers, and and I'd probably start trying to build some uh, com- conversations and communication with them to see, you know, what what do they need? What do you need? Um, what what do we need? What do you need in the first in my first 100 days? And start there. What do, what do your kids need in my first 100 days? And how can I help you get that? Get those things? Because again, we get back to that day to day operations thing, and those are the most important things, I think. Um, for as far as the district's concerned, big picture wise, I'd like to see a communication campaign, maybe a shift. And I know this just sounds silly, and it might not be important to uh, each individual child's education, but we could do some things um, that we would typically uh, attribute to marketing, as far as messaging, as far as getting all the schools on the same page, using the same language so that our young people when they're in K, K through three are hearing the same types of language uh, and that, that that progresses through their time at our schools. And so when they're seniors, they're still getting the same message from the district level leadership that, that, that we're all on the same page and that all the teachers and we have the same common principles and have the same thing. So uh, a marketing plan or communication plan of some kind that could create some sort of um, singularity or unity between our schools, whether whether it's grade level or where, whether it's geographical, uh, rather than competing with each other to try to be the best, let's all work together and see how we can become a better district as a whole. Uh, so I'd like to see uh, some more social media, intentional social media from the district level uh, that can kind of give some guidance to schools instead of making that another responsibility for a uh, tech savvy teacher or administrator at, at every school. So little things like that, just some suggestions again, we can't uh, force any of that stuff to happen, but again, I'd like to think that we'll have some influence over over getting some little things like that done that could have a big impact. I feel like for our young people and for our um, uh, for our teachers and administrators. All right, thank you for that, Chris. James. Yep. Okay, first I want to thank Greg Perry for that great question. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. Greg. Day one, day one. As I said earlier, I am ready to lead now. I am leading now as we speak, um, working with our school district hand in hand on a day-to-day basis to ensure that our youth have opportunities. Um, 100 days, uh, partnering with our other uh, four other school board members, um, having a really good understanding of the budget and where we are with the budget. Um, I know there's a tax increase coming to trying to understand that tax increase and where we are with the increase and how that's gonna look like long-term and the funds that we're gonna receive from that increase, what's that gonna fuel? Um, we have a middle school that's gonna be um, uh, that's starting to launch here shortly, get my arms wrapped around that and have a better understanding for that. So really understanding policy within the school district, working with the four other school board members, working with their superintendent, and really understanding left and right limits per se, and the policy that I can affect and the policy that I can help with and really driving us to uh, success. 100 days. All right, 100 days. I All love right. that. So I have one more question for you guys, and then we're going to do parting, parting thoughts. All right. Um, so my last question for you guys are going to be: At the end of you know, you I'm I'm going to say you know, you guys get elected. Congratulations, you're in that seat. Um, what does success look fi- look like for you at the end of your first term as a school board member? Um, and I'll start with James. James, thank you. Success for me is I have a, a vision of a three to five year strategic plan. Um, term limits are four years, so I would like to see that plan implemented, the implementation of that plan, and where we are with that plan, working with our town council, working with economic development, working with county council, and developing a strategic plan on where we're going to be. I would like to see how that plan has been implemented, and all the facets of that plan, working with industry to develop work-based learning programs. And some may say, well, so the school board's not responsible for that, but that should be part of our three to five year strategic plan as a school board so that we can fuel our community. You have to think if our youth graduate from our high schools, if employment opportunities are available within our community when they graduate, earning a wage above poverty level at or above, um, they have opportunities to attend college while they're working and they stay in our community versus leaving, coming back, or not coming back. And they really fuel that. We, we're going to have industry, um, I would say over a billion dollars of industry in the next three years in Dorchester County. And we need to figure out how we can build and blend in with industry and have our curriculum around industry also. And there are a lot of models across the United States that show how that's done 
and we can do that here in our community. And that's what I, I would like to see that we have been able to implement that plan. Um, now, when you bring a lot of, a lot of players to the table, there, there are gonna be some, um, we're gonna have to agree to disagree on some things, but everyone should be focused on the big picture. And that big picture is how do we build relationships, work together to fuel our community? By fueling our community, we're fueling our schools, and we're also fueling our kids, our teachers, parents, and support staff. Awesome. Thank you for that. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so similar, similar concept as far as what expectations of success are after one term. And so I would say uh, we need to be on a path, if not achieving um, the, the moves by the by the or, uh, government levels of government above and beyond what we can actually do. So we need to be working with county council. We need to be working with the legislative delegation. We need to have plans in place. We need to be helping to advocate in favor of uh, the new funding formula, the new funding model. We have we have state level leadership that's already been talking about that for years, and they've got several plans or ideas. I not shouldn't say plans because it's not that uh, it's not that organized. I don't think or structured yet. But I think there's several ideas that have been tossed around and in, in the conversations that have been had over the years, and so. We we can't get we can't get too involved in day to day. So what's our role need to be? We need to be looking at the big picture, just like James said. And so I would like to be at the end of one term. I'd like to see us at least, if not already having achieved um, the assistance that that the other uh, levels of government need to to get us a better working funding model or formula that provides us the the funds that we need that we don't have to be the bad guy that goes to the, the community and says, we have to increase your taxes every time we build a school because there's thousands of more homes being built and we need yeah. more buildings. So, so ultimately uh, I'd like to see that, that our local and state level officials are on board with us with a good working relationship and that we're going to work together to actually affect some change and not just take what they'll give us and hope for the best. Right. So ultimately, I, I wish I could have a, something more quantifiable than that. I like James's answer of a three to five year plan. Uh, that's a great goal to have. Uh, that's a great thing to do. And we can work together with different people to have that. Um, if I if I just say that, though, I'm just making him look good. So I don't want to I don't want to try to steal his idea. <laughs> awesome. 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 This has been this has been a great interview. Um, I, I really enjoyed this. Um, I want to I want to end. With um letting you guys, you know, letting you guys close out by really giving your parting thoughts for this interview, and also let them know where they can find out more information about your campaign or reach out to you if they have any more questions. Uh, Chris, my turn. Okay. Um, yeah. So parting thoughts. I just want to say thanks again for having us. Um, I I love I love talking about education. It's something I'm passionate about. It's uh it's something I get excited about. So I love having these conversations. So I appreciate you giving us an opportunity to do that. Um. Glad to see you're getting back on the air and, and getting your show back going again. So that's going to be good. I'm looking forward to seeing what that holds in the future. Um, you can find more information about me at www.chrisdigby.com uh, or at Digby for DD2, all one word, all your socials there. So uh, look me up if you want some more information. Reach out to me. I've had uh, coffee meetings almost every day uh, with, with parents who are interested in having conversations and want to talk about their specific situations and how I might feel about those types of things. And, um, and so I'm interested in talking with folks about it. I care about our district. I've been here for a long time. I've been serving our district for a long time in a lot of different ways. I've worn a lot of hats uh, and I, I've served somebody, you know, and somebody uh, in your neighborhood or somebody at your church. And, and, and if you uh, ask around about me, I think the majority of people that you meet are going to have uh, positive things about how hard I work and, and the type of service that I provided to, to the people that they know. And so uh, I look forward to the opportunity to serve you again, uh, all you voters out there, and to continue my service to this community and to this school system. And I just want to, uh, you know, do offer all the different ways I provide value to our school district so that we can continue to move forward, continue the success that we've had and build on that success so that we're not just ranking the top five in the state all the time. I want us to be at the top. I want us to be churning out success at the level that makes our kids so proud that they go to our schools um, that they can't wait to move back here and start their families and send their kids to our schools. So uh, again, told you where you can find me, look me up. I I'd love to talk to you if you want more information. Um, and what else did you tell me to say besides my parting shot there? If they, if they wanted to get in touch with you. 
Oh, yeah, www.chrisdigby.com, C-H-R-I-S-D-I-G-B-Y.com uh, there. And, and uh, yeah, go. you're up, James. <laughs> All right. So uh, in closing, I want everyone to remember kids first. That's why I'm here. That's why we do what we do. That's why James Weaver does what he does. I've been working in education for over 20 years, uh, been in the military for over 20 years, still serving. Um, today, I'm actually getting ready for change of responsibility uh, ceremony on Sunday into my new role as a company commander in the mm. South Carolina Army National Guard. So I want to give a shout out to the soldiers and the veterans that are watching and live in our community. Um, access to a high quality education. You know, I've said that a few times. We want to make sure that that's what um, I want to focus on. I want to ensure that we're intentionally doing that for our community. And I want everyone to remember a vote for James is a vote for a veteran still serving his community. Vote for James is a a vote for an educator and a business person. A vote for James is a vote for a community leader and a voice for you, our community. Um, you can reach me um, through my website, Leave It to Weaver. If you go to Leave It to Weaver dot today, Leave It to Weaver dot today. That's my website. Social media is uh, James Weaver for DD Two. Facebook, that's the best way to, to reach me. And I appreciate the, uh, the feedback I've received from our community. I receive calls every day. I talk to parents. Um, I meet with folks every day. I've had a lot of community meetings and I appreciate the questions and I appreciate the support and the guidance. Um, I wanna remind everyone also in closing that uh, more signs came in. I was delivering signs to people's homes this morning. I have more to do this evening. And if uh, anyone would like a sign to show their support for me in their yard, please let me know. Um, the best way to reach me again, leave it to weaver.today and or James Weaver for DD2. And in closing, leave it to Weaver. Thank you again, Rajan. We appreciate this opportunity and um, shout out to distinguished gentlemen. I've worked with the Bullfair program for over 20 years, which is a similar program. Pretty sure yeah, you're familiar with that. And, yeah. Yes. Shout out to shout, shout out to the warfare. Shout out to the whole uh, thing, Mr. Roy, uh, Mr. Cal, uh, yeah. like all of them. Uh, Chris, Kristen, like all great, great, Kristen great. Miller. Fellas, we yeah. actually honored them at our um, our boys to mentors banquet this year. So mm -hmm. great, great guys. And um, your I guess it's your friend uh, Tr Thomas A. Taylor says it's electjamesweaver.com. I have two domains, electjamesweaver.com or leave it to weaver.today. They take you to the same website. Thank, all thank right, you, Thomas. Cool. I appreciate that. All right, and this uh, young lady says, I wish my neighborhood wouldn't find us for signs in our yard, dang HOA. So, I have, you know, <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Supporters out there. Yeah. You guys have some supporters out there. Well, thank y'all so much for joining me, man. This was definitely um, a, a great discussion about the, the issues. Um, it was not, you know, anything uh, that I wouldn't want my children to watch and get a good example of how to share and communicate information. So I want to thank you guys for being so amazing. And I want to wish you both the best of luck in the, um, in the, in the um, election. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, you, if you guys do as well as you did here, you're going to be great. Um, how many seats are up? It's, it's five seats up, right? Three seats. Three, three seats. seats. There's three seats up. Oh, so and we got two people on here. Okay. Three seats. Right. It's a seven. It's a seven, <laughs> seven member board, and they do three, four. So every okay. two years they have three, and the next year, the next two years they'll have four up. So awesome. um. Is it so um? So I plan on being here, um, this time around through this election and being elected on the school board. That's my that's my goal and um great support from the community to get there. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much. I really enjoyed it. Um, I really appreciate you guys being on. And I am going to end my show. Where's my music? Ah, there we go. Thank you all so much for watching this week. Reminder that the local celebrity spotlight happens every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. But tomorrow night, I actually will be doing another one of these. I'll be sitting down with um, Mr. Kevin Hollinshed, who's a Charleston County School Board District member who's running for the election. Um, I want you to join us tomorrow night. We're going to have an in-depth discussion with him. Um, we're going to be talking about his plans for the school district, what he's done up until this time, and what he plans to do in the future if re-elected. Um, if you are running for office, I want to go ahead and put this clarion call out there for everyone right now. 
if you are running for office, I have opened the doors of Real Talk with Rajan to every candidate of any political party to come on here and have an opportunity to talk to me just like I did with Mr. Weaver and Mr. Digby and let the community know what are you bringing to the table for the people of the low country or the state of South Carolina or the United States of America. So if any presidential candidates want to come and talk to me on my little camera, I will gladly accept you, Republican, Democrat, Independent, Green Party, Tea Party. I don't care. I just want to talk to you. So please join me um, on next Thursday. I will be doing um, next Thursday. I will be doing a a forum where each candidate is going to have 15 minutes to talk and just have a, a you know heart to heart discussion with me about their campaign. So again, Republican, Democrat, Green Party, Tea Party, Independent. I don't care who you are or what you represent. I want to talk to you. So if you're interested. Or if you're watching, you know someone who would be interested in it, please have them email me at info, no, sorry, at realtalkwithrajan at gmail.com. That's in realtalkwithrajan at gmail.com. Um, and if you are doing something in the community that you would like the light shined on, please reach out to me on my website. That's www.realtalkwithrajan so we can discuss getting you on the show. This and all my shows, in addition to the Car Chronicle series, will be available for your listening pleasure via Apple, Google, Spotify, and any place you can find podcasts. You can also find it on my website. That's www.realtalkwithrajan.com. If you'd like to be made aware of when I go live, because sometimes it is unscheduled, please be sure to click the follow or subscribe tab on the page and turn on your notifications so that you will know when something new is posted to the page. In the meantime, follow me on social media to stay up to date on what's happening with Real Talk with Rajan. Pretty much anywhere you go on social media, type in Real Talk Rajan, and I will pop up. Feel free to leave comments, questions, or whatever else you'd like to say in the message and comment section below. I love reading your messages and getting your feedback, even if it's negative. Why? Because I want to become the best I can be, and that only happens with real feedback. So give me your real feedback about the show. If you liked it, say, hey, Rajan, I liked it. Here's why. If you hate it, say, hey, Rajan, I hated your show. And here's why. But don't just not watch. Watch and help me get better. Um, if you are listening to this on um, the podcast, please give me a five-star rating. Give me a five-star rating if you loved it. If you didn't love it, don't bother. We're fine. Um, I'm currently accepting invitations for speaking engagements and event hosting opportunities. If you would like for me to speak at or host your event, you can request me via my website. You guessed it. That's www.realtalkwithrajan.com. In closing, always remember that God is everything. Without him, we are nothing. So never forget where your help comes from. And if a man doesn't stand for something, he's bound to fall for anything. Now that is real talk. I will see y'all tomorrow night. Peace.